Hello and welcome into the Week 7 NFL Light em Up episode. Uh, we are lighting up everything heading into Week 7 of the NFL season. And here lighting up everything as always with me is Eric. Welcome back everybody. I'm looking forward to another week of football to talk with you guys. It's going to be a fun week. And joining us here once again is Brendan. Howdy, howdy. Let's get into it. Alright, we have a full show here today. We have a full uh, set of hosts. And so let's get into it indeed. A pretty, I don't know, guys, there were a lot of upsets in week six. A, a lot of upsets, uh, including, but not limited to, the Ravens falling to the Giants, the Steelers beating the Bucks, which, of course, I was happy about. And then, you know, just a, a lot of showings that I don't think we expected. We did get that Bills win over the Chiefs. Uh, it was not by blowout fashion by any means, but it was... A nice showing from the Bills as they continue to make their case for the number one seed in the AFC. So, as always, before we get into talking about Week 7, I just wanted to ask you guys, was there any team that really stood out to you for their performance in Week 6? I think for me, I mean, the Packers are definitely disappointing. The Jets uh, beat the Packers 27-10, to so the Packers' offense couldn't really get going against what was supposedly a, a, a poor Jets de- uh, defense. And uh, the Jets were able to basically run the ball all over the Packers team. Uh, so we'll just see if the Packers and Aaron Rodgers can get the offense back into gear. Um, I think from a fantasy perspective, a lot more people expected them to lean more on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones with Devontae Adams' departure. But it sounds like they're in this flux of not knowing exactly what to do as they try to get Romeo Dubs and Alan Lazard back into, into shape. Um, so we'll just see if they can get it back into into gear over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know if there's necessarily one team that I would call out as far as being a surprise outcome in the last week. Uh, John, you covered a lot of them already, but the big takeaway for me at this point is like you have the handful of teams that I would classify as very, very good teams, and then you have the handful of teams that I would classify as very, very bad teams, and then everybody in the middle, which I would say is probably about 90% of the league, 90 might be a little high, but 80% of the league rather, uh, I, I think they're all pretty much interchangeable at this point. I mean, is anybody really a touchdown better than anybody else? And I think that's kind of the logic that I'm taking into this week when I look at the spreads. Uh, there are a lot of lines that I'm seeing are six points, seven points. And honestly, if you're not one of the best teams playing against one of the worst teams, I, I'm very, very tempted to just take the points and run with it because – as we saw last week, anybody can win any game at this point, it seems like, in the NFL. Yeah, it definitely seems like in both the AFC and the NFC, there is maybe two top teams and then a bunch of other teams that are either you know waiting to get in gear or we still have some doubts about them. Uh, in the AFC, that's obviously that matchup I talked about with the Bills and the Chiefs. I think those are pretty clearly the top two teams in that conference. And then there's a bunch of other teams hovering around three and four, three and three, or excuse me, um, three and three, four and two, uh, you know, in that area. In the in the uh, NFC, you have the Eagles as the clear-cut number one team. You have the Vikings sitting there at number two. And then you have everyone else, and, and maybe that everyone else, you know, lumping the Giants and the Cowboys into that everyone else is a bit unfair, but I think it, it is fair to say that there are more questions about those two teams so far than what we have for either the Vikings or the Eagles. Yeah, I want to talk about the Giants real quick, or at least ask you guys the questions about these these lines here. So New York Giants are currently, uh, to make the playoffs, is minus 215, 
and no is plus 170. Would you guys still lean no, or do you guys are you with a 5-1 record? Do you think the Giants are that much of a favorite to make the playoffs now for the NFC? I think their schedules. No, I would take them. To, I would take them to make the playoffs for sure. I think their schedule's too easy. They have they have such an easy schedule yeah. that you would be hard pressed to find enough losses to make the argument that they're not going to make the playoffs. And, you know, obviously if if something like say Saquon Barkley gets hurt or say Daniel Jones gets hurt uh, and, or, you know, there's just a rash of injuries that obviously could knock them off course. But I think between the head start that they've given themselves and then also the fact that really the only games I look at on their schedule and I'm thinking like, yeah, they probably lose that one are the games that they have left against the Eagles and the Cowboys. And so other than that, I, oh, they, they also play the Vikings. Excuse me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't write that one off. But other than that, I think they should be very much so competitive in every single game they play and they should rack up enough wins where they only need to win, I think, probably four or five games down the, down the stretch of the season to be in the playoffs. And I think there's easily four or five wins left on their schedule. If well, not more. I guess I guess it depends on how much they've impressed you over the, the first six weeks here, based on where you thought they were at the beginning of the season. Because obviously they started five and one here, but they could go one and five the next six weeks if you think they're still one of those bottom level teams. But if they've certainly impressed you, then of course I think we're all on board for them to make the playoffs. Then I, I guess to flip it around, um, I kind of mentioned this last week between me and John. Uh, the the Giants are currently uh, now have better odds now plus eight hundred to win the division. They're still behind the Cowboys at plus fifty, plus five fifty, and the Eagles are still favorites at minus four hundred. Would you still sneak in a small bet for the Giants to possibly sneak this one out since they're only one game behind the, the Eagles? Absolutely not. The reason I'm taking the Giants to make the playoffs is because of the head start they have on the rest of the league as a wildcard team at five and one already. You mentioned that they could go one and five the next six weeks. That's that's a very that's a very plausible possibility for the Giants team that I've seen. I, I mean, I think they've they've won on the backs of good coaching. I think they're. You know they're managing the game very well. They're using their, you know, they're using Saquon Barkley and their strengths to the, to their advantage, and they're winning games that most people wouldn't pick them to win that way. And I, I mean, just based on the fact that the logic that I was using before when I said, you know, there's eighty percent of the league I would say is kind of interchangeable at this point. I, I, I would lump the Giants squarely in the middle of that, and the fact that they already have a five and one head start on the rest of the league is what makes me lean towards taking them to make the playoffs. Now, the Eagles, I would say, are definitely not part of that 80%. I would say the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league behind probably the Bills, and that's maybe all I would put them behind at this point, just based on their defense. And I think Jalen Hurts is figuring a lot of things out. Um, So to win the division, if they were in a different division, maybe it would be more interesting to me, but... I don't think there's any chance that the the Giants outplay the Eagles down the stretch. I think it's a bet you take a flyer on if you're just looking for something that it's possible and it has long odds, but I don't think it's likely to hit. Okay. I think for me, if I'm thinking the Giants are making the playoffs, I think uh, I I would take that flyer, like you're suggesting, John, at at this plus 800 odds to overcome the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles are still a little overrated. Um, and maybe we're overrating the I'm overrating the Giants as well, but they're only one game behind, and I think this division could 
certainly have be a lot more messy by the end of the season, and we could certainly see the Giants sneak it in. I, I think those are certainly worth these these plus eight hundred odds that they're give, the DraftKings sportsbooks is giving out. Well, and and one thing to note is that, and maybe this is a good thing, maybe this is a bad thing because of how long you're going to have to wait, but. The Giants and Eagles don't play each other until I think that's week 13. And so week 13 or 14. And so the what we're going to know about the Giants versus what we're going to know about the Eagles, you know, the information that we're going to have once we get to that matchup, we could be talking about it as like, oh, they're playing for the division. Or we could be talking at at about it like oh you remember when the giants were five and one and now they're like seven and four or something like that or whatever it would be at that point you know they're they're much farther back from where the eagles would be at that point um so it'll be interesting once we get to that first giants eagles matchups i'll be really interested to see you know where the storyline has taken us from now until then but it is a long way away yeah, that's that's a great point, John. I guess the main reason I'm bringing this up is that if anybody's looking for those odds, the, those long odds of possibly something sneaking in or, or hitting a big uh, plus odds there, I think now is the time to bet on the Giants, right? Because every time they win, you're going to get worse odds. So if this is like the time to start deciding as to whether you're going to jump on that wagon and, and kind of see how they're going to play out. Uh, otherwise, like once you get to that time where they're playing for the division, then you're not going to get these plus 800 odds anymore, obviously, right? So that's that's why I'm just like sneaking in these discussions here. No, no. I, I, again, I think it, it, it may be one worth taking a flyer on, but I don't think it's necessarily one that I feel confident about paying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I, I'm not super confident in it. And before we move on, just I'm going to flip the question a little bit on you, Eric. What percent? If you had to put a percentage of chance of the Giants winning the division right now, what, what percentage would you give them? Thirty-three percent. Thirty-three. Okay, yeah. So in that case, given that the implied odds of plus eight hundred are around eleven percent, right? And then you have to factor in the the vig that's going into to that calculation from the sports book. Obviously, if I'm in your shoes, that's a that's that's a future bet that I'm putting in right now, just because you're right. You're probably not going to get much better odds on plus eight hundred unless the Giants fall to the Jaguars this week, and then you might be able to get around plus eight fifty, plus nine hundred, depending on um, how. The re- how the Cowboys do this week against the Lions as well. But, um, yeah, I, I guess at that point, you've got a pretty big gap between the implied odds and, and what you're forecasting the Giants' chances are to win the division. So I guess that makes sense. But I, I wouldn't put the odds as high as 30%. I mean, the sure. reason why I say 30%, I mean, I think it's a toss-up between the top three teams here, right? Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys. So it, it, I think this division's I, – I, in my mind, I don't think the Eagles are going to go 17-0. I, I think this – this division is going to end up well, certainly right. Not. So this division, I think. Well, maybe you think they're getting in fourteen and, and three or something, but I, I think they're going to land closer to the twelve win mark. And I think both, like all, any of these teams could sneak in and make there at this point. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now, it is worth noting that Eric is leading our picks, so maybe he is giving the most sage advice of anybody on this podcast right now because against the spread, he had another good week in week six, going eight and six. The uh, Straight up picks all went seven and seven, so we we split it right down the middle in terms of straight up. But Eric went eight and six. I went seven and seven against the spread. Brendan was the week six winner in terms of against the spread picks at ten and four, so he's getting back to sort of winning form here with his picks. Um, but 
Eric is the season-long winner against the spread, at least at the moment, at 51, 41, and, and uh, 2 pushes. Uh, Brendan coming in at 50, 42, and 2. And then I am in third against the spread, but tied with Eric for first in the straight-up picks. As always, the consensus, you want to bet our consensus because 54, 38, and 2 against the spread as the consensus. So hopefully we keep that rolling in Week 7. And then I'll just throw it to Eric real quick for the uh, fantasy recap from last week. Yeah, well, let's start with start of the week, and then we'll kind of go into fantasy proper. I mean, Brendan's taking our first win. Uh, that's not me so far. Um, he, he nailed his picks of Daryl Henderson and Alec Pierce last week, uh, getting 83.6 total points. And for, for those that might not know, uh, basically our start of the week is picking any player from our fantasy pros rankings and then taking their total as long as they score over 10 points with their ranking that week. Um, and that's what your total score is. Uh, so Brendan came up 83.6. I only hit one of my uh, players, uh, Gabe Davis, uh, who, who was a smash pick, obviously, against the Kansas City uh, Chiefs game. And then uh, Mike Boone just didn't end up playing. Uh, it sounds like Latavius Murray is going to just play over everybody in that backfield. Um, so that's just unfortunate for me. And then John had the unfortunate event of J.K. Dobbins just basically getting injured or not playing at all. Um, and then Russell Gage not showing up for him either. So uh, John had to put up a zero, but I think – um, John's just getting right on the gear. But I, I'm going to let Brendan. Brendan, do you want to talk about your starts of the week and any fantasy aspect you want to talk about before I recap starts of the week? Uh, I mean, I think the Broncos backfield is like the main thing I'm looking at right now. I think it's interesting. Obviously, you had Mike Boone last week. Latavius Murray kind of came out of nowhere, took the job of the guy who was basically taking half the carries away from Javante Williams for a long time. That's Melvin Gordon. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff in the press this week from – you know, both the Broncos and for Melvin Gordon. So I still think this is Melvin Gordon's backfield, but uh, it looks like it's going to be probably a three-way timeshare with mostly 1A, 1B interchangeable between Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray as far as uh, the short term. Yeah, yeah I definitely mean, just, want to keep an eye on. <laughs> definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think for starts and sits, let me recap that real quick. So uh, we had DJ Moore versus Juju Smith-Suster. All right. uh, Judas Smith-Schuster knocked it out of the field. He scored a touchdown, basically, in the Buffalo Bills game. Uh, scored 19.8 points. DJ Moore just didn't show up at all. We were all on the Moore bandwagon here, I guess, hoping for him to get something out of P.J. Walker, and he put up a stinker with 2.2 points. So that's a, a strikeout for all three of us there. Uh, next, we have J.K. Dobbins versus James Robinson. As I already alluded to, James Robinson only scored six points, but still scored more than the 1.5 that J.K. Dobbins put up. So Brennan and I got the points there. Uh, for that start-sit decision. And finally, we had Ezekiel Elliott versus the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Uh, he put up 15.1 points, but it was really close because his opponent that we picked here was Alan Lazard versus New York Jets, wide receiver, and he put up 15.6 points. So he all scored him by 0.5 points. And Brennan was the only one there uh, to kind of take the, the the lead there, I guess. So Brennan's uh, sitting at a flat 500 for starts and sit records for the week, and he's getting the win for uh, the... Uh, starts of the week so we're definitely getting into a closer race right now um i think from a league wise that we all share johnson at the top here still amongst the three of us rather uh with a five and one record uh i'm sitting at three and three and brendan's at two and four but i think we're all still straight to chase yeah absolutely uh, i and and i have a, a rough a rough matchup this week because josh allen who has really been the heartbeat of my team is on by uh Jonathan Taylor is healthy, so hopefully that 
boosts me up a little bit, but I do have quite a number of players on by with Josh Allen, Miles Sanders, Dallas Carter, uh, my usual starters all hitting the bench this week. And then I'm facing a team that is four and two, and I believe is the highest scoring team in our league so far. So, you know, I'm, I'm right now five and one, but uh, it, it might be going in the other direction at least this week and then give you boys a chance to catch up. That's good because I need all the help I can get right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And Brennan, you own Christian McCaffrey in this league, right? Because I don't think. I unfortunately. We, we have not mentioned the fact that Christian McCaffrey is on the move going from Carolina to the San Francisco 49ers. So for all the listeners out there, are you starting him this week or, or what's the plan here? Yeah, I, we had this conversation a little bit off, off recording here, but uh, I am in the camp of I really hope that he's just not active at all this week because that makes my decision a lot easier. Granted, I don't want to bench CMC, but um, I also don't want to put him in if he's, you know, I, I think I'm forecasting his floor this week as basically zero because there's uh, at least some percentage chance that he gets a handful of carries, you know, two or three carries at most, uh, just kind of easy touches for him that they can draw up within a couple of days. And, you know, if he doesn't do a whole lot with that or doesn't fall into the end zone with those few carries, then I basically started um, a zero. I basically started somebody who's on another bye. But um, this is Christian McCaffrey we're talking about. This is a 49ers defense – or 49ers offense, excuse me, that is uh, going to have to try and keep up with the Chiefs this week. So maybe he's a good start, but I, I would just really hope for some clarity going into Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if we get that uh, as the clock is sort of ticking down, see what happens with Christian McCaffrey. And so with that, let's move into that Week 7 schedule. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bills, Vikings, Eagles, and Rams all on by this week. So a couple of, you know, the, the three of the probably four or five best teams in the NFL not in action this week. And so the rest of the league maybe gets to play a little bit of catch-up. Uh, we are recording after the Thursday night game where the Cardinals were able to emerge victorious over the Saints in what, at least to me, was a much higher scoring affair than I would have expected in that one. Um, so props to Eric and I for being on the Cardinals. Brendan, you miss out. You start 0-1 uh, this week in terms of the picks, but there's plenty of ground to make up. First game of the week that we're going to get into on the Sunday slate is Falcons at Bengals. And this was a stat I had not seen before last week when the Falcons upset the 49ers, but now it is something I am acutely aware of, where the Falcons are so far this season 6-0 and against the spread. So my question to you, boys, is do they make it 7-0 and against the spread as 6.5-point underdogs against the Bengals? I mean, I, I haven't been yeah, in I his I think drum. the answer for me is just... Oh my God. Yeah, I think, I think, sorry, Eric. I think the answer for me is just yes. Like, again, are, are either of these teams in the top echelon or the bottom echelon of the league? I don't, I don't think so. And, I mean, are the Bengals really a full touchdown better than the Falcons? I don't, uh, again, I don't think so. I think Joe Burrow takes a bunch of sacks. He's going to be, you know, facing a lot of, a lot of different defensive schemes from this Falcons team. And, uh, I mean, the Falcons obviously want to slow pace down and run the ball as much as they can. So I think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. I do think that the Bengals win the game, but I am on the Falcons to cover six and a half for sure. I mean, I was just going to say, I've been banging the drum that the Falcons are going to play 
close, fun games throughout the year, and I think that six and zero record that you mentioned, John, is basically in line with that. So yeah, I think um, it just means that Falcons can play a close game. But I, I still think the Bengals are, are still a better team, so I'm going to pick the Bengals to win straight up. Yeah, after after the uh, Falcons went out and burned me against my adopted team, the 49ers, last week. And after seeing that stat, I cannot pick against them when it comes to the spread. We all are still on the Bengals to win. And I think this is a good opportunity for the Bengals to prove that they are still contenders in what is essentially a wide open race in the AFC North. Both them and the Ravens are at three and three. The Browns and Steelers are both at two and four. And so I think if they're going to have hopes of establishing themselves as contenders, you know, continuing to to stay in this race in the AFC North. This is one that they got to win. So I think they, they will pull it out, but Falcons to cover as they have all season. So moving on from that one, staying in the uh, NFC of sorts, Falcons in the NFC, we are getting the Lions at the Cowboys. And the expectation for this one is that Dak Prescott is going to play. So the Cooper Rush era ends with a loss to the Eagles on, on Sunday night football and Dak Prescott sort of steps back in the saddle. And so that maybe explains why this Cowboys team is a seven point favorite. The lions are coming off a bye, Maybe that's helpful, uh, but they did lose 29 to zero last time out against the Patriots. So is the question I guess I pose to you boys is, is Dak Prescott coming back enough to believe that the Cowboys can cover this seven point line? You want to start, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, this spread for me has nothing to do with Dak Prescott playing or not playing. I mean, I think the big question for me is, can the Lions score on this Dallas defense? That makes me a little nervous for them to cover seven points. But I do think that uh, even if the Cowboys jump out to an early lead, the Lions can very easily backdoor cover a full touchdown here. Uh, so I am, I'm i alone on this one uh, on the Lions to cover, but I do have the Cowboys winning. Um, all that being said, this is – this plays right into one of the systems that I am always looking at every year. Uh, it's been very profitable for a long time in the NFL where a uh, team coming off a bye playing a road game, actually getting points. Um, it's I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it's around 65%. And uh, I'm going to lean on that one here because I think the Lions team can put up points. I am a little worried, as I mentioned, about the Cowboys defense just shutting this team down. Um, but... For whatever reason, I don't really know the logic behind it. I guess it's because, you know, these young 20-somethings are coming off a bye and they're on the road and they are they don't have to deal with their kids screaming at the house and, you know, they can kind of just enjoy themselves a little bit. Uh, maybe that's the logic. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But um, I do think that the Lions come out hungry to perform a little bit and keep this game as close as they can against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think for me, I'm just going to jump in real quick, Eric. Uh, I think for me, it's just that I love this Cowboys defense. I think they're better than the Patriots defense. We saw completely shut down the Lions two weeks ago. And I think Dak Prescott maybe doesn't give them a huge boost, but I think he gives them a point or two. And so I think that's enough, all all that added together, to have the Cowboys uh, cover this one and win by more than a touchdown. Yep, and I'm, I'm right on board with you with the defense, John. I'll just say on the other side of the ball, I, I would expect the Cowboys to lean more on Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard against this porous Lions run defense. Maybe they short up their defense uh, during the bye, but I, I guess I'm, I'm doubtful of that. So I think 
Um, the Cowboys do have a strong running game, and I think they're going to take advantage of it. I, I don't fault Brendan for taking the Lions here. I think, I mean, the Lions still one of the top scoring teams in the league. They can still put up points, and maybe they had the extra buy to prepare for that. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I'm terribly confident in the Cowboys, maybe as confident as John, but I think um, the Cowboys can definitely do enough to cover the seven point uh, points that they're giving away. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to see what shakes down in Big D in that Lions-Cowboys matchup. Now, this is one I want to sort of hand the floor over to you, gentlemen, because this next matchup, I think, is one that you have been split on the whole year, and that is Colts at Titans. You can look at this as sort of, it's not a AFC South championship game because we're still too early in the season, but it could still play a big role in who ends up winning that division in the AFC South. Uh, This game has already been played previously this year, but this time it is in Nashville as the Colts will travel to take on the Titans after avenging a loss to the Jaguars last week. They will look to avenge a loss earlier to the Titans as well. And so, Brendan, I know you have been much higher on this Colts team than Eric. Eric, I know that the Titans have sort of been a darling for you all season, and you know, you have very much believed in them even through a rough start. So convince me on who's going to win this game. Eric, I'll give you the the floor first because the Titans are the home team. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll just give, uh, I mean, uh, start kind of a back and forth conversation, I guess. I'll just say the two main points or the two starting points here is the Titans are coming off a bye and they're playing at home and it sounds like everybody's healthy and Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So I, I think the Titans did also beat the Colts earlier in the season. This is the second time they're matching up. So I, I don't see why I wouldn't take the Titans here and, and take this Colts team. But then I'll, I'll respond to whatever argument that Brendan might have. Yeah, I just feel like a broken record when we talk about the Titans. I mean, I think last year they've way overperformed based on one-score games. Again, I don't think they're a good team. I think Ryan Tannehill is serviceable at best in the NFL. Uh, that's shown throughout the first five games of the season, I believe. Um, missing out on A.J. Brown is a much bigger deal than a lot of people even were expecting for this offense. And they will lean on Derrick Henry for sure in this game. But, you know, this Colts defense isn't necessarily a pushover defense. I think they can stand up a little bit to a one-dimensional Titans offense. Um, and the Colts are obviously very motivated to win this game. John, you mentioned they are, they are – looking to avenge a home loss to this Titans team early in the season. It is kind of odd that the Colts will have, after this week, they'll already have played five of their six in-division games through seven weeks in the NFL. So this is a much bigger game for this Colts team than I think um, it is for the Titans. And for that reason, I'm going to just take the two and a half points with the Colts, and I'll take the Colts to win straight up. Because I think even if this game is close, all things equal, I think this Colts team is better than this Titans team. And if I'm getting points, that's even better. Eric, you want to respond to that? Well, I mean, I, I think that's certainly fair. I, I just have – I still have major concerns about this Colts offense. Uh, you, I wouldn't personally put too much stock in their the points they put up against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home last week. Now it's a road game, and I, I still don't know what I'm going to get out of Matt Ryan and this passing offense. And then we'll have to see – how healthy Jonathan Taylor is. I'm expecting him to be fully healthy, but then it doesn't sound like they're going to be utilizing him to the amount we ex- expected at the beginning of the year. 
maybe we're just expecting him to, hey, he's going to start rolling by the end of the year. But until that moment, I think the Colts still have a lot more they need to figure out on offense before they can take on this Titans defense, which I, I think is still an average defense. But I think they can still opportunistically um, take advantage of this Colts team that will still turn the ball over from my perspective. So I, I think the Titans will be just fine at home here. Yeah, I'm going to break the tie here. I am going to side with the Colts here in this one, both as the team getting points, so I'll, I'll gladly take those two and a half points. But I think there's a chance that they could win straight up because I was very much encouraged by what we saw last week from Matt Ryan in that win against the Jaguars. I know, Eric, you're saying that you're not putting a whole lot of stock because you don't have a ton of faith in that Jaguars defense. But I think more important than that, I think we just needed to see a good game from Matt Ryan, and we definitely got that. You know, almost 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, easily his best game in a Colts uniform. And I think having that momentum going into this Titans game, having that confidence really as what I should say is important. And so the Titans are coming off a bye We'll see if that's a positive or we'll see if that's maybe a negative as the Colts come in more confident and more prepared potentially for this matchup. Um, but it's it'll definitely be a really interesting game. Uh, it's one I certainly went back and forth on, but ultimately landed on the Colts in this one. All right. I'm, I'm excited for this game. Uh, excited to see what, what comes out for this division here. Yeah, absolutely. So going, moving to the... Packers at the Commanders. And the Packers continue to be a one of the most underperforming teams, I think, in all of the NFL versus a Commanders team that underperforming is basically their average, basically their norm. And we do have this game in the greater D.C. area, so maybe the Packers will take advantage of that road trip. Uh, they are four-and-a-half-point favorites traveling to D.C., so, boys, is there really any debate in this one? Because to me, this seems like a pretty easy Packers probably win, but I don't have any confidence in them to cover. I think it's close. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think you nailed it, John. I mean, I think it's if the Packers play a little quicker with their pace of play, I would be more nervous about this four and a half spread that we're currently getting. Um, I did like this a lot more when it was at five, five and a half earlier in the week, but. Four and a half makes me a little nervous. Granted, we didn't go through any key numbers there, but this Commanders team just scares me a little bit as far as, you know, when I'm on their side. They could very easily lose any game by 20 points, I think, because their defense is abysmal. Their offense, uh, is it better with Taylor Heineke than it is with Carson Wentz? I would argue marginally yes, probably. But is it good enough to keep up with the Packers' offense when it's performing well? Probably not. All that being said... I'm going to go back to the well here and just say, is any team really better than another team in the middle of the pack by, you know, four and a half points, seven points, these kinds of spreads? I'm, I'm not confident that they are. So I could see this game, this game going either way as far as covering the spread, but uh, I am on the side of the commanders uh, with both of you guys and looks like we're all in the Packers to win this game straight up. Yeah, I was much more confident of five and a half point spread. Four and a half is definitely – much more nervous uh, for for me. I think uh, we'll have to see what Packers team shows up on this Commanders team. Yeah, no, and and the Heineke point is interesting because it definitely makes I think this offense more. 
predictable in a good way. You're not likely to get the sort of boneheaded plays that we see from Carson Wentz, who is out with a, a broken finger. But at the same time, I think some of the explosiveness goes out of the offense as well. So with that being said, I, I think it, it, it leans towards a more conservative, low-scoring offensive day for the Commanders, which I think favors a Packers cover. But the confidence level in the Packers right now is just not very high. I will say quickly from a fantasy perspective, with Taylor Heineke at the helm here for this Commanders offense, I actually think the outlook for Terry McLaurin is significantly better than it was the last six weeks uh, with Carson Wentz uh, taking the snaps. Because we saw last year that with Heineke um, you know, leading the Commanders offense, McLaurin was getting well over 20% of the targets. Granted, that was without Curtis Samuel uh, in the mix. But uh, I, I just think that there's something to be said about the rapport that these two already have together. And when Taylor Heineke's you know, in trouble and looking for his, his second read, even if McLaurin wasn't the first read of the play, he's, he's likely to look Terry's way. And I think that bodes well for... Uh, the those of us that drafted Terry and, and fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think that is spot on that you could see a bit of a boost for Terry McLaurin, but probably not enough to get the Commanders to cover or well to win, which maybe enough to get them to cover. All right, moving on to the game with the biggest spread of the week easily, and that is the Buccaneers traveling to the lowly Panthers, who are now without Christian McCaffrey. This line has jumped all the way from 10.5 to start the week, all the way up to 13 after the McCaffrey trade. And I guess, again, it's another easy question of like, okay, I don't think any of us expect the Panthers to win this outright, but do they have enough juice to cover this line? I'm looking up who's starting for the Panthers at quarterback. Are are they starting? PJ Walker. Is he healthy? It's PJ Walker. He's healthy? Okay. Yeah, it's PJ. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the, the Buccaneers are necessarily going to run the Panthers out of the building. I think the Panthers are – I mean, this is just a big line. I, I think the Panthers are still a football team, and I think they're going to be just fine and staying in this game personally. And um, I, I'll be – I guess I'm, I'm just very nervous about taking such a big line. I, I think the Panthers also have a decent defense, So, and I don't think the Buccaneers are necessarily going to run away with it on offense either. So I think they'll keep the game close. Yeah, again, I think something is necessary. Something is wrong with this Buccaneers offense, and I don't know that it's going to get corrected. I mean, all of the indicators say that this is a game that Tom Brady's frustrated and he's going to want to pile on as many points as he can against this Panthers defense that is looking like this Panthers team very well could spend 45 minutes of this game on defense. But 13 points is way too big. I was on this line when it was at 11 before the CMC trade, and I would happily take 13 points after the CMC trade because, um, you know, the Panthers are going to have to play offense. And I do think that despite the fact they very well could score zero points in this game, I don't think that they're going to be necessarily shut down completely by this Buccaneers defense. And as you mentioned already, Eric, I don't think that the Bucs can – or will put up as many points to cover 13 points uh, in this game. That being said, I do <laughs> – last week I saw po- quite possibly my favorite stat I've ever seen in uh, the NFL, which was on 16 pass attempts, P.J. Walker had the very first ever recorded negative A dot, which is average, average depth of target. Uh, he, he had a negative 0.1 
A dot through 16 pass attempts last week. Um, so, we'll, I mean, with the departure of CMC, I would imagine that he has a positive A dot this week, but you never know. I mean, PJ Walker is looking to just kind of get rid of that ball as soon as possible and, and not take too many hits. So, obviously, he's going to throw for like 250 yard bombs this week, right? Because that's how that works. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was going to say. not Robbie Anderson anymore, though, so I don't know. Which again is that a good or a yeah bad? <laughs> might might be addition by subtraction there as 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 you pointed out. All the listeners now, aside, <laughs> now on the Cardinals. Um, I, I was gonna say that though, if this had happened, if you had given me this pick before we saw what we saw from the Buccaneers last week, I might have been confident enough in them to say that they'll cover. After coming out and struggling against a Steelers defense that is admittedly probably a little bit better than Carolina, but not much given the injury situation that was going on in Pittsburgh. I'll give the points, or, or, or I'll take the points as the Panthers, I should say. I think they'll cover, but I think the Buccaneers do end up winning. Now we'll move on to one of the more interesting games, I think, in terms of the pick this week. And that is the Giants, the 5-1 New York Giants, traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And this is interesting because I think if this was a couple weeks ago, it would have been a little bit clearer cut in favor of the Jaguars, but the Jaguars have certainly struggled the last two weeks. So I turn to you gentlemen to say, how do you sort of slice this one? What do you think is going to happen in this mashup? Go ahead, Brandon. Well, since I'm on my own here, I'll, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the only Jaguars believer in this game, it seems like, for uh, the line-em-up squad here, but... I, this is one of those games where you've got a five and one team playing against a two and four team, and the two and four team is laying three points. I mean, this just is begging from the sports books to dare you to take the Giants. And usually in that spot, that means that the sports books know something that the general public does not. And um, as you know, Lee Corso famously said. Somebody knows something, and I'm going to side with somebody. So I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover the spread of three points. The only thing that I have besides that, as far as logic behind this pick goes, is I think the Jaguars' defense, despite their poor showing uh, last week, I think the Jaguars' defense is still top ten in the league. I think they can um, kind of put this Giants' offense into a corner and really force them to win with their wide receivers by stacking the box a little bit. So – can the Giants do that? Maybe. Uh, Wandale Robinson is interesting this week from a fantasy aspect because I think the Giants are going to be forced to pass the ball a little bit more than they'd like to. But I'll take the Jaguars to win and cover uh, the three points uh, while you boys, uh, our, our consensus is going to lie on the Giants where uh, they're getting a full field goal. Yeah, I don't know how you see this one, Eric. Uh, I just look at it and say I am way more confident in Brian Dable's ability to come up with a game plan to – beat this Jaguars team that is still a little green, a little bit inexperienced, uh, you know, and they've shown that at times this season. And I've been so impressed with what I've seen from Brian Dable and and this whole Giants staff throughout this season, throughout this very surprising 5-1 start, that I'm happy to take these points because I really do believe that right now, unless there is a clear advantage for the other team it's kind of silly to pick against the Giants 
Yeah, I mean, it's a 5-1 team, and you're giving me points, so I, I'll take that. I, I think the Giants are still decent on defensive side of the ball as well, so I think they're going to match up perfectly fine against this uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team that's still young and raw. Uh, and I would agree with what John said, that I, I think this this Dable-led team uh, has a lot of grit on the offensive side of the ball, and I think this is a game that they can definitely pull out. I, I would also agree on the Brendan side that the Jaguars still have a top-tier defense, I think. <laughs> Um, they didn't show up necessarily against the Indianapolis Colts, but I, I think they still have enough holes that I think Dable can capitalize on um, and scheme against. So that, that's why I'm leaning toward the Giants here. I will say the one thing that I was iffy on when I was looking at this game was the Brian Dable factor because I think, John, you're, you're spot on there. I think that the Giants very well could find a way to win this game just because of Brian Dable. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is... I think he's still number one. He might, uh, he's at the very least top three in the league as far as negatively impacted quarterbacks by the blitz. So uh, I, I will expect the Giants to drop a lot of different man blitz schemes here for Trevor Lawrence to have to deal with. And Brian Dable could get this job done and, and walk out of here with a win and take the Giants to six and one. But again, something up here with the sports books, they're just begging you to take the Giants. So I, I'm going to side with the. Uh, more intelligent people than than the public here. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the Jaguars, but it does make me a, lot, a little bit nervous. Yeah, no, it's it, it definitely a game that I think can go either way, and I think we've highlighted that. So one to watch out for for sure, and, and, and a theme that I've sort of highlighted throughout this season, this is definitely a game that is a lot more exciting than if you had looked at the schedule in the beginning of the season and thought, Week 7, Jaguars, Giants, why would I ever care about that? But I think there definitely is something to you know, get you to tune in now um, after we've seen these first six weeks play out. Now, one that always is worth tuning into, and that is a divisional matchup between the Browns and the Ravens. This one is in Baltimore. The Ravens are six-and-a-half-point favorites. And the question I have for you, gentlemen, is the Browns have been floundering They've lost three games in a row, but the Ravens were also far from imp- uh, impressive in their loss to the Giants last week. So between two teams that are not necessarily playing their best football right now, what do you think is going to happen? I think the main thing I'll say is that while the Browns have lost, and I guess they got spanked by the the Patriots just last week, I think they've mostly otherwise played every other game close. Um, and this being a divisional game, I think that's why I'm leaning toward the Browns to cover this spread. You're giving me six and a half points. Um, I, I think the Browns will keep this game close against the Ravens team that hasn't been susceptible. And I think anything can go, can happen, I guess, in this divisional matchup. I, that being said, I'm still taking the Ravens. I think I think we all think the Ravens are clearly the better team. And I guess I'll let you guys decide on that. But I, I think the Ravens are playing at home. They're definitely the better team. But I think the Browns still have an ability to continue to keep games close. Uh, against a much, from my perspective, an easier uh, matchup for them on the defensive side of the ball, like for the Browns offense versus the, the Ravens defense, uh, as opposed to what they saw in the Patriots last week. Yeah, the six and a half point spread makes me extremely nervous. I mean, this is a game that I would typically be all over taking the six and a half points and running with it in a divisional game that I'm not expecting a ton of points to be scored. That being said, the Ravens, this Ravens team is three and three. Uh, you know, they've trailed in games for a total of 120 seconds in games that they've lost. So that's that kind of just speaks to the fact that there's some frustration in this locker room. Um, they're, they, they very 
easily could be 6-0, and and you could argue that they should be 6-0, and but they continue to just throw these games away at the end. I mean, they build big leads and then just kind of take their foot off the gas and crumble in, in the fourth quarter, it seems like, and that's what we saw last week against the Giants. So uh, I do think that this is kind of a bounce-back game for the Ravens. I think they're going to be looking to really establish themselves as one of the – uh, contenders in the NFL, and I think they're going to just try and put up a ton of points against this Browns defense. I think Lamar Jackson is going to run all over this Browns defense, uh, just like Ramondre Stevenson did last week. And uh, begrudgingly, I will lay the six and a half points to take the Ravens, but it, it does make me really nervous. Yeah, I think this is a game where they have something to prove the Ravens do. And so I am willing to you know, ride with that. I'm real, I'm willing to ride with, I think, you know, one of the biggest di- difference makers in all of football in Lamar Jackson. This is normally a matchup where he has excelled. I think he, he likes taking on this Browns team. I think he likes, um, when it was Baker Mayfield, I think he liked proving that, you know, Baker Mayfield was drafted number one overall in the same draft as me. I have a point to prove. I'm going to go out here and prove it. Baker Mayfield, obviously no longer the quarterback for the Browns, but I think Lamar Jackson was something to prove in a home game and maybe with some more relaxed expectations, I think they go out there and they cover this line. And I think we see that for the first time, maybe all season or maybe since the first week of the season, I should say, we see a Ravens performance that is indicative of the talent level of this team. Yeah. I think it's clear cut that we're all taking the Ravens to be the better team. I'm also worried about what they're going to see out of the backfield. I think Kenyon Drake did look good last week. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is out. We'll see if Gus Edwards comes back uh, back from the PUP list or be activated. Um, maybe they have some confusion out of the backfield. I think there's still some – I think also Rashad Bateman's also possibly questionable for this upcoming game as well. Let's we'll see if he's fully healthy. I think uh, Mark Andrews only practiced once or twice this week. Um, he was out or out of practice for two times this week. I think there's a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball for this Ravens uh, to make sure they get back in the gear for uh, – Something that I think you're all suggesting that this is a get-right game. It just sounds like all the pieces are there. And also to one of Brendan's earlier points is that this team could be 6-0. and I'm not discounting that this, this Ravens team is good enough to win this game. Like I said, I think we're all on the Ravens to win this game. But uh, to, to elaborate on his, his point that he's they've lost a lot of close games, so I think it's more reason for me the Browns to keep this game close, right? I think the Gi- they lost to the Giants by four points. They beat the Bengals by two points. They lost to the Bills by three points. Um, they did beat the Patriots by 11 points, but they also scored like a touchdown near the end of the game there to um, extend their five-point lead at that time. And obviously they lost that uh, to the Dolphins by four points. So like they've been also playing close games. So, I mean, these are two teams that have played close games, and that's why I'm leaning on the Browns here. Yeah, I mean, this smells like backdoor cover all over it. So I, I don't fault you at all for taking the six-and-a-half points. Um I, I also just a quick note. You said Mark Andrews. He he is definitely going to play in this game. He took Wednesday and Thursday off. Harbaugh came out and stated that it was for rest only. Granted, it is not traditional for a player to take off both Wednesday and Thursday if they're just resting an injury. But uh, it looks like he was fully in practice on Friday. And I unless something weird happens. Today on Saturday, I, I would expect Mark Andrews to suit up for Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I'm not. I'm not saying he's injured or anything. I, I'm just saying that it. I mean, it, I, maybe it's normal for the NFL now for people to take multiple rest days and not just practice at all for these type of players. And it looks like Mark Andrews is up in that echelon now. I'm just saying that 
the whole team isn't practicing together for multiple days. Like, I'm not saying that it's not healthy. I'm just saying that if this is a, they're, they're trying to get right, I would expect the teams to have be together for multiple days during practice to get it right. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so we will see how that one plays out. Now, a game that we're going to go to next, Jets at Broncos. And the Broncos continue to be one of the most frustrating, one of the most inconsistent, one of the hardest to figure out teams. Russell Wilson has been darn near terrible in his first six weeks as the Broncos quarterback versus a Jets team that has been one of the bigger surprises of the early season this year. And we see this team, the Jets and the Jets, traveling to Denver. So they're still the underdogs. But we've also seen this line bet down from three points, which is the sort of typical home field advantage line, all the way down to one. And, and gentlemen, I have no faith in this Broncos team. I have no faith in Russell Wilson at this point. I have no faith in Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. I know everybody loves their defense and thinks, oh, well, their defense is going to be enough to sort of keep them in this one. And I'm just not sure. So with all that being said, I'm going to go out on the limb here first. I'll say I'll take the the Bronco, or excuse me, I'll take the Jets to win this one. I'll take it just straight up. You know, the point is nice, but I think they can win this one straight up. I Broncos you. Nation. I, I apologize. That's right. <laughs> I apologize for that, John. I, I wanted someone to take the Jets, not, not from Commander's standpoint. I just, I just think someone should take the Jets. I, I think this is clearly a pick'em game that the Jets could easily win because we don't know what's going to happen with the Broncos. But like you said, I, I'm one of those people that are leaning on this Broncos defense to play well against this Jets offense, and we'll have to see what comes out of this game. This is definitely not a game I'll pick on because. Or bet on just because there's so much uncertainty from both sides of the ball for both of these teams. Yeah, I agree with what Eric's saying. Uh, I actually have more confidence that the Broncos win this game and cover the point um, just because of their defense. I mean, last week we saw the Jets win a game where, uh, you know, they passed for about 90 yards, I think. And that's one of the classic things where, uh, you know, if the Jets lose a game and their quarterback, you know, Zach Wilson throws for 90 yards, they're going to say, oh, he's terrible. They're going to be calling for the backup to be coming in. But, you win a game where you throw 90 yards and they're going to say, oh, he managed the game perfectly. He's he's a great game management quarterback, and, and I just don't. I mean, the Jets are a one-dimensional offense from my eyes. I, I don't think that they can throw the ball very well. They are going to be without Elijah Moore after he requested for a trade this week. He's going to have to sit out this game as a what looks like a punishment because he missed practice to request that trade, and he's frustrated with the lack of targets that he's getting. And I think that makes this passing attack for the Jets that much more predictable with Garrett Wilson. Corey Davis, I think uh, Corey Davis is probably going to be lined up against Patrick Sertan, which is not not what you want to see from a Corey Davis fantasy perspective. But I think the Broncos' defense will shut down the Jets' offense. Um, I'm not expecting this game to go over the 38 points at all. I, I am on the under. So that being said, I think the Broncos will find a way to win, despite the fact that Russell Wilson is uh, hot garbage at this point, and we don't even know if he's going to play. I mean, I would expect him to play, but is that really better than – him not playing? I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's to me it's just like I have more and this is pretty damning in terms of the the Denver Broncos and their offense. I have more confidence in the Jets to put together a game plan that can see them put up a couple points against this Broncos defense than I have in the Broncos offense to figure things out to get enough points to score. I mean, if you look at this Broncos team, They have two wins this season. In those two wins, they scored 16 and 11 points. And so 
you're telling me that all I need to do to potentially beat this Broncos team is score 17 points? I think the Jets can do that. I will I be really sh- I will be shocked if either of these teams puts up 17 points in this game. Uh, I, I wouldn't, but I, 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 t- I mean, John, I, I completely agree. I think this, I think this Broncos defense could just. Well, I'm hoping they mutiny against this entire Hackett led team, um, and maybe the Broncos get a coaching <laughs> change. Because uh, this Broncos defense has been holding the fort down, and it, their offense is just not cutting it. Um, it. It seems similar to the Panthers, what they previously had with Matt Rule. Um, they had a pretty good defense, and their offense couldn't really do much. I, I think this seems like what we're going to get out of the Broncos team. Uh, my quick question is, would you guys rather have Russell Wilson or Zach Wilson for the rest of the year? Are we talking fantasy or, like, actual NFL? Uh, let's say actual NFL. Zach Wilson. Yeah, I'm going to go Zach Wilson. I-, I have no faith in Russell Wilson right now. Do you have no. faith in Zach Wilson, or is that just optimism, though? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that I just think that there's a higher ceiling from Zach Wilson than there okay. is from Russell Wilson at this. Point. I, I was curious. I thought that was a fun question. The the only the only reason I'm choosing Zach Wilson from an actual NFL standpoint is because he's not a nightmare in the locker room. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how their season turns out, but I think it's pretty close. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, it's definitely. It's definitely way closer than it has any any business being, but that's just the the fate of the Broncos right now. But uh, we will ride on to the next matchup in our rundown, and that is sticking in the AFC West. We have the Raiders. They welcome the Texans to the desert in Las Vegas, and they are coming off a bye, so maybe that plays into this, but I'm a little surprised to see this seven-point line in favor of the Raiders. I feel like... We still don't know how good this Raiders team is. We still don't really, you know, we still don't really have a great understanding of whether or not they are better than their one in four record, or whether that one in four record is pretty fair. And I think this Texans team, while not having really much better of a record, coming in at one three and one, so you know, just better by the fact that they tied a game instead of losing a game. I think they've showed enough to think that. This should be a lot closer than seven points. How do you guys feel about this one? Yeah, this one's open and shut for me. I mean, you're getting me, you're giving me seven points in two teams that, again, I don't think their difference is a full touchdown in any game. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not pretty to take the Texans in any game, but I, I think that they're going to slow the pace down enough with Damian Pierce, keep this Raiders offense off the field from putting up a ton of points. That being said, we're all on the Raiders to win straight up. Uh, and again, this is the same system I mentioned earlier where team coming off the bye, playing away, getting points. That's the Texans. I'll take them all day. Give me the seven points and uh, pretty clear cut for me. Well, I, I will say, does does that system factor in that the other team, the home team's on the, all coming off the bye? Because the Raiders are also coming off a bye, which, which I found was interesting. Yes. Oh, okay. It does. Okay. I, I, think, uh, I, I think the Raiders are still one of the more underrated teams in the NFL. Uh, I think I think it's close to me. I think the Raiders could definitely blow this Texans team. They, I don't think they should be a one and four team. Um, and I think they've also unlocked Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, and they have still all of their weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and uh, in, in their receiving core. And I think they could definitely take advantage of this Texans team. But that, that being said, until until we see it, I'm gonna roll the Texans because they have played a lot of games close from a defensive standpoint in particular. Yeah, I'm going to make it a clean sleep. Texan covers, Raiders win. There is a world, I think, where 
this Raiders team comes out and this is a get right game for them. But I'm just not sure that that's the world we're going to end up living in. So I will take the full touchdown uh, with that one there. We're moving on from that one, sticking out on the West Coast. And this one, I'm going to surprise some people. Because we have Seahawks at Chargers. And this line has moved down as the week has gone on. It started off with the Chargers getting a full touchdown. And it's moved to the point where it's only five and a half points. And maybe not surprisingly, we're still all on the Seahawks to cover. I'm going to go one step further after the Seahawks were so kind to me and rewarded me so beautifully last week against the Cardinals. I think the Seahawks win this one outright. The Chargers just seem really shaky despite their 4-2 record. And I think the Seahawks are playing with a lot of confidence. So I'm going Seahawks to cover and to win. I don't fault you. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there, John. That's why I'm on Seahawks to cover, but I'm not as brave as you, so I'll take the Chargers to win. <laughs> I think I'm also in the same boat. I don't think I have that much to say. I, I think Seahawks have played much better than we expected. Chargers play a little worse than we expected, so this game's going to be close, but I still think the Chargers are a better team. So I'll take the Chargers to win straight up. Let's see Seahawks to cover. I'm expecting a lot of points. So I, I want to pose it. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of points. I know it should be another one of those like 35, 30 games or you know yep. somewhere in that area. But a question I wanted to pose to you guys is, do you think through six weeks that Geno Smith has done enough where the Seahawks should consider keeping him around beyond just this season? Just this season? Uh, yeah, I would say yes, just based on the fact that they're obviously not going to be taking a shot at a quarterback early in the draft next year because he's played well enough that they're not going to have a top five pick in the draft at this point. So I think Geno Smith deserves another shot uh, in the NFL. I think he's learned a lot since his days in the in the Jets uniform, and uh, it's it's really showing in his you know maturity and ability to handle the an NFL offense at this point. I, I definitely think they keep him around. I, I I mean we'll see how they end up end, at the end of the season, but I still think they draft a quarterback. If it's not in the early rounds, I think they'll find someone like Russell Wilson when they get in the later rounds and. See if he can surplant Geno Smith next season. Yeah, that's one of the more fascinating storylines to me because I think going into this season, everyone assumed that this was whoever was going to be the starting quarterback, whether it was Geno Smith or Drew Locks, that they were one and done uh, for this year in Seattle. But Geno Smith obviously has played really well, and so we will see. Now, a game that has a lot of storylines swirling around it uh, we mentioned the trade of Christian McCaffrey. The 49ers are getting healthy. Um, some big players coming back. And, and that is Chiefs at 49ers. Now, this game has, the line has sort of moved all over the place. Started with the Chiefs being three-point road favorites. It's gone all the way down to one point. And, boys, I'm doing it again. 49ers win, 49ers cover. What do you have for me? Uh, again, I'm not as brave as you, so I'll take the Chiefs in this game. I don't think Christian McCaffrey's worth a full point and a half when he's only been in a 49ers uniform for about 24 hours. So we'll see how this game plays out, but I think this game could very easily go either way. I have this pretty close to a pick but I'll just take the Chiefs because I think the Chiefs find a way to win it. I definitely think Chiefs are a, a better team than the 49ers. I, I think they're a tier above the 49ers. I I'm not with John on the 49ers wagon here of um, how good they are. I, I agree that they can scheme well on the offensive side of the ball, but I still think that Andy Reid is 
a smarter mind here in, in running the Chiefs team, and, and Patrick Mahomes is definitely a better talent than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think they're going to be just fine if you're going to give me a pick em line um, to cover and, and uh, win straight up. I, I just am confident that having Nick Bosa back, I think Trent Williams is also healthy for this one, that this defense is going to cause Patrick Mahomes problems. We saw Buffalo able to get a lot of pressure last week on Patrick Mahomes, and we saw how that affected him. And I think for the 49ers, have a similar ability to generate pressure against the Chiefs this week. They're not in Arrowhead. They're in the, the Bay Area for this one, and I think that will play a factor. And then... The offense is a bit of a mystery because you don't know what Christian McCaffrey's role is going to be. But if they can find a way to integrate him, I, I think that just gives that much more of an opportunity for the 49ers to pull off what in my mind would be an upset. I think there's no doubt that the Chiefs, like I mentioned, have been one of the top four or five teams in the NFL. The 49ers have the potential to be up there in my mind, but they haven't always showed the consistency through six weeks. But I think this is a game where they can legitimately come out, create problems with their defensive front for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and do enough offensively against a Chiefs defense that I don't think is anything special. They're not bad, but they're not anything special. And so as long as they can, you know, do enough to get the ball in the hands of Debo and CMC and Brendan Ayub, George Kittle, and really, you know, test the Chiefs' ability to run and tackle and prevent yards after the catch, I think this is one that the 49ers legitimately can win. And so I'm going out on the ledge once again. 49ers win. 49ers cover. Let's go. Yeah, I'm much more in the middle on this one. I could see it going either way. I'm not as high on the Chiefs as Eric sounds like he is. I don't think they're a top-tier team in the NFL. Uh, I think they're a little bit overrated just because of their uh, you know, high-powered offense and the way they've kept some games close, uh, especially last week against the Bills. But um, I, I, I don't know. This just feels like a game that the Chiefs are going to find a way to win with Andy Reid, and I don't think um, a point is worth taking from the 49ers side. Um, but yeah, I can see it going either way, John. I'll just say I think this is going to be a good game, and I, I would want the NFL to put this on primetime, um, particularly compared to what we're going to get this week. Uh, I mean, Chiefs this week uh, against the 49ers and last week against the Bills definitely should have been primetime games, in my opinion. You're not you're not interested yeah. in Bears' opinion. Yeah, and, and, and uh, let's, I guess we can talk about it more when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into the two primetime matchups now. Um, the first one, Steelers at Dolphins. Steelers coming off a impressive, if not really all that explosive win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, we are yet to see whether or not it will be Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett who takes the start. Pickett did go out with an injury last week against the Bucks, and Trubisky came in, played the hero role off the bench. Two attack of Iloa does return to the starting seat for the Dolphins. And as much as I would love to say that the Steelers can, you know, make lightning strike twice uh, this week in Miami, to me, there's just so many factors that are in the Dolphins' favor. And I keep having nightmares of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle just leaving all of the, uh, Steelers defensive backs in the dust and and so I don't know what the Steelers path to victory is here I don't know about you guys that's kind of how I see it I mean there's not really a whole lot for me to add it's just kind of 
Dolphins are a significantly better team than this Steelers team. I think their tandem of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are going to get a lot of open space to run with, and you give those two guys open space, and it usually isn't very good for the other team. So I'll take the Dolphins Dolphins to win and cover the seven points. Uh, they're just a significantly better team in my eyes. Yeah, I think Dolphins blow the Steelers out personally, so I don't think that's also why I'm leading to. I don't think this is a good primetime game to watch. Um, I think this Dolphins defense is definitely good, and I think they're going to get uh, Tua back on the offensive side of the ball, so I think he'd be just fine uh, to beat the Steelers team. And we will and we will confirm after this game that obviously Tua Tagovailoa is now better than Tom Brady. For He's sure. closed. Oh. Absolutely. No oh, doubt, no, no doubt. <laughs> All right, and then uh, Brendan hit it at the uh, final primetime game of the week. Another game where it's like, really, this is this is what we're giving uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? Um, I'm sure they didn't s- sign up for Monday Night Football to call these games. Uh, and that is Bears at Patriots. So, Eric, I, I just want to hear from you as the Bears fan. Do you think Justin Fields can do anything against this Patriots defense that all of a sudden has just really turned it on the last couple of weeks? Uh, no, I think the Bears get shut out this game quite possibly. I think uh, from what I've seen, Justin Fields has been sacked, I think, possibly tied with the most in the NFL, uh, or at least maybe top three. Um, and I think this Patriots can definitely generate enough pressure against Justin Fields, and I think they're going to turn the ball over against him. I don't have any confidence in the Bears being able to beat this Patriots team. I don't think the Patriots are that good, personally, but I think their defense is definitely fine to beat what I think is a bad Bears team uh, to win to, to, to win straight up and also win uh, with the spreads giving away 7.5 points. Yeah, I mean, the only question I was going to ask is how do the Bears actually score in this game? And I think the answer could very easily be that they just don't. So, yeah, I could see this being a shutout. Um, the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about the seven and a half point spread is Eric. I don't think that the Patriots are very good either. So I side with you there and it looks like they're supposed to get some rain in New England on Monday night. And we saw how the bears took down the 49ers in week one in a, uh, torrential rain game. So maybe that's their secret weapon. Uh, but, uh, I think that's kind of the only way I can see this game ending, uh, close whatsoever is if the Patriots just don't score either. So, um, are either of you a little surprised that the uh, line is only at seven and a half? Uh, actually, I just looked at it right now. It, it did bump up to eight points, and it looks like some sharp money's hitting the Bears now at eight points. So I think the major thing for me is like this could be a textbook Bill Belichick game where he just manages the game. He's very comfortable just running the ball the, the entire game and, and beating the Bears without having to do a whole lot. And um, you know, this very easily could be a Monday night game where we see a final score of something like seven to zero, ten to zero, <laughs> ten to three. So uh I wouldn't put it much higher than seven and a half points just because I don't think the Patriots are gonna try and demolish any team. But um yeah, I, I just don't see how the Bears score personally. I think for a sports Yeah, no, the, the I reason I asked from a sports standpoint sports standpoint, I'll make the line bigger, but I think from a sports book standpoint, sounds like this is probably where you're going to get that fifty fifty mark here. Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. So the, no, I just I just asked that question because uh, ESPN, the sort of football power index prediction metric, uh, has this as an eighty percent chance for the Patriots to win, and when you have 
a number as big as 80%, um, especially with Mac Jones expected to play in this one, even though Bailey Zappi has definitely done a more than serviceable job uh, as sort of his fill-in. When you see a number like 80% chance to win, I would think that would usually equate to a higher than a seven and a half point line. But like you both alluded to, neither of these teams have particularly strong offenses. Um, and so maybe that contributes to where the sports book is putting that line. So that will wrap up our uh, game seven picks or week seven picks or game picks for week seven. That's, I think, what I was going for there. And so we will move on into the fantasy aspect. And Eric did have to cut out a little bit early from the recording. So it's just Brendan and I from here on out. So usually Eric takes care of this. And so, Brendan, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to spitball here and just go sort of off the cuff. Um, We do start with our starts of the week, the uh, segment that Eric has so greatly introduced for us this season, our new segment. And... As you are all aware, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, the aim of the game here is to pick players sort of down in the rankings that you think could have a big week, sort of outperform their projected spots, uh, because you get points if your player gets more than 10 points, and you then also get the ranking added on to that, so lower ranking, more points, you guys get the drill. Brendan, why don't you kick us off with your picks for this week? Yeah, I think we'll find our way through this segment, despite not having our fearless leader and uh, institutor of, is that a word, institutor? It is now, uh, of the weekly forecast with Eric being gone now. But I'm going to roll with two guys that I actually really like this week. I think Kenyon Drake, He we talked about it earlier in the show, he looked really, really good last week for some reason. And I think this Cleveland defense uh, against the run is just terrible, so... Uh, I, I did say earlier that I think Lamar Jackson is going to run all over this Cleveland defense, and I think that goes for Kenyon Drake as well. He was, I think, 10, uh, 10 rushing attempts last week for like 110 yards or something like that. So uh, you average 11 a carry, that means something to me. So I think at rank number 34 against Cleveland, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be looking to run the ball as much as they can, protect that lead, and uh, not blow it in the fourth quarter like they have in other games. So I'll roll with Kenyon Drake at number 34. And for my wide receiver, I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs, uh, number 28 against this Washington defense. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, his advanced metrics have, as far as separation and targets and average depth of target and all that stuff, they've looked really, really good for the last few weeks. And we haven't seen that real true breakout game yet, but I, I do feel like it's coming. And I think that Washington's just going to have too much to worry about on defense. And they're not really the team that can handle multiple avenues of success from an from a defensive standpoint so I think with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combined with Alan Lazard who's also looked really good uh, in the last few weeks I think Romeo Dobbs is going to have plenty of opportunities and Aaron Rodgers will uh, hopefully find him for the end zone at least once this game so worth noting with Dobbs too um, Randall Cobb Christian Watson Sammy Watkins all out yes so uh, the Share of targets is there in Green Bay, and we've definitely seen some flashes at a Dobbs early this season, so I like those picks. Uh, I went with perhaps a little bit safer picks because, to be honest, I haven't been doing so hot in these uh, starts of the week through the first couple weeks that we've been doing this, and so 
I went with Tony Pollard versus Detroit. Uh, we've seen how the um, the Lions' run defense has been very susceptible. And sort of the reason I went with Tony Pollard is because I do think the Cowboys are going to run the ball a lot. But I also think that Dak is going to look to get him involved in the passing game. He very much more so is the Cowboys' uh, pass-catching running back. And so with Dak in the saddle, maybe the offense opens up a little bit more. And we see that passing game expand, which I expect to benefit Tony Pollard. And then for my wide receiver pick, I just didn't go very far down the rankings. I think Chris Godwin taking on the Panthers. He has looked like Tom Brady's best friend in his uh, first couple of weeks back from injury. And so against a Panthers defense that is banged up, particularly in the secondary. I know J.C. Horn and I think J.C. Horn, C.J. Henderson and Dante Jackson are all nursing some sort of injury for this Panthers team. And so I expect Chris Godwin to have a really good day. Uh, and so even though he is ranked 13th, and so the, the upside there in terms of points from the ranking is not as high, I still like what I see from Chris Godwin in that matchup. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think Chris Godwin's a great start this week. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity against this Carolina defense. It's going to, once again, spend a lot of time on the field, it looks like, in this game. And the Tony Pollard pick, uh, I, do, I think it's a little bit more risky than advertised at number 24, but... Uh, again, this Detroit defense, you already mentioned it. You hit it spot on. It's not anything to write home about. Uh, I believe I, – we might have to fact check this, but I believe Detroit has given up seven more points than the next highest team in the NFL. And they did not play football last week. So that is not ideal from a Detroit defense standpoint. So Tony Pollard and Chris Godwin, both good picks in my opinion. Uh, that leads us into Eric's picks, and I guess we'll uh, share the duties here, John, if you don't mind. I'll, uh, I'll I'll cover the running game here for Eric. He's got Melvin Gordon at number 33 uh, at home against the New York Jets. This is kind of an interesting one because I think Melvin Gordon is only this far down in the rankings because of all the uh, questions behind whether or not he will be the lead back in this, in this Denver backfield given last week how Latavius Murray performed. Uh, how little Melvin Gordon got the ball. And there's been plenty of headlines this week in the news about Melvin Gordon's usage and some quotes from both Nathaniel Hackett and Melvin Gordon as far as Melvin Gordon being the starter this week, which uh, there's kind of a funny quote. I don't know if you saw it, that Melvin Gordon said, you know, a, a reporter asked him if he was happy that he was going to be the starter this week. And Melvin Gordon kind of looked at him and just said, well, I was a starter last week. So, We'll see if that really means anything. Uh, I don't really know that we can trust Nathaniel Hackett, but uh, I do think Melvin Gordon will get more opportunities in this game. Uh, you know, the squeak wheel, squeaky wheel gets the grease, as they say. So number 33, I uh, like the price there that Eric's getting for Melvin Gordon, and I'll kick it to you for Eric's wide receiver pick. Well, before I say anything about his wide receiver pick, let's just be honest, no one's happy to uh, be the starter in Denver on offense right now. Like, it's just not a happy situation. Certainly not. Um, but that being said, Eric goes with, for his wide receiver pick, Michael Gallup with the Cowboys. I think this is kind of in line with what I was talking about, where we expect the Dallas offense to receive a boost, not only from having Dak back at quarterback, but also facing a pretty weak Detroit Lions defense, who is only not last in the league in points allowed because the Cardinals and Saints, who have currently played two more games than the Lions, uh, both gave up a bunch of points on Thursday night football. 
So the Lions are very far and away the worst team in terms of points per game allowed. And I think that measures up pretty well uh, for a big week out of Michael Gallup, who, interestingly enough, Melvin Gordon, the number 33-ranked player in the Fantasy Pro rankings this week at running back, Michael Gallup, also the number 33-ranked player at wide receiver. So maybe Eric going with a little bit of 33 synergy there in his picks. Yeah, Gallup has looked surprisingly good from my standpoint uh, in the offense. That And Dallas obviously has a need for him, I think. Uh, CeeDee Lamb needs some help, and Dak's going to be looking both of their ways this game. And as we already have covered at length already, the uh, the Detroit defense is, is not good, so... I like them. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good pick there, and I like the double 33s. So we'll see if that pays off for Eric. Eric was also kind enough to provide us with some interesting start-sit decisions, and Eric is being a little bit of a contrarian. Uh, I think we can uh, lump the first two together here where we have George Pickens versus Darnell Mooney and Jerry Judy versus Jamal Williams. And Eric went with, I think the road less traveled in these ones because I don't really want any part of the Bears offense or the Broncos offense if I can help it. And so I was very clearly on the other side, but Eric, I guess, you know, just wanted to keep things spicy. Yeah, I think from the the first one that we we've already, we, that you mentioned there, George Pickens and Darnell Mooney, I mean, Darnell Mooney actually looked like he was getting a lot more involved in the passing game, and they look like this Bears offense is trending to try and get Justin Fields in the passing game more involved, try not to set some modern-era NFL records as far as being the lowest passing team in the NFL. But, again, this matchup against New England, I, I don't see how the Bears score points in this game. So at, at, when I'm looking at a team like that, I don't want any part of this offense, especially not a receiver. So... Despite the fact that I am a little bit more bullish on Darnell Mooney's full season outlook than I was two weeks ago, uh, I don't think this is the game that you necessarily want to start him. So I'll take George Pickens. John, I think you're on the same side as me there. And again, Jamal Williams against Dallas. I think this Detroit team is going to have to put up some points. And whether or not DeAndre Swift is healthy and playing, Jamal Williams has been the goal line back, and I don't think that's going to change. So I think Jamal Williams falls into the end zone at least once. And I don't really have much confidence in the Broncos receiving game at this point, even though they're playing against the Jets. Yeah, no, I agree with all of those points that you just made. And one thing I wanted to say with the with the Mooney pick, because yes, I'm, I'm very much on George Pickens in that one. I think George Pickens is going to only continue to grow into the Steelers offense, especially if Kenny Pickett is at quarterback, because there seems to be a good connection between them. But what Bill Belichick is famous for is taking away an offense's number one option. And so I fully expect him to just roll coverage to Darnell Mooney and say, okay, Justin Fields, what are you going to do now? And I don't think that spells well for uh, Mooney from a fantasy perspective at all. Yeah, I would imagine that logic can be used multiple ways. And maybe that's why Eric's on Darnell Mooney here, because I would expect the New England defense and Bill Belichick to be taking away the Bears' number one option, and that's very clearly been the run game through six weeks of the season. So maybe they're going to just stack the box and say, okay, Justin Fields, beat us over the top. And whether or not he can do that, uh, we'll have to just see. And maybe that's why Eric's on Darnell Mooney. But I I guess that is an argument. I don't don't know that I would make it, but it is an argument. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last start sit of the week – 
going to the defenses here and i was very up in the air about this one um because i think there are arguments for both but it was broncos versus the jets or jaguars versus the giants and ultimately i do think the broncos defense is more talented but with the giants being as banged up on offense as they are I, I see where Eric was sort of thinking with this one, but I'll still fall on the Broncos, even though I think they could lose that game. Yeah, it looks like Eric is joining us on the Broncos side. I do think this one is really close. I'm kind of with you, John. I went back and forth between who I wanted, um, but I don't think that the Jets will be passing the ball enough to put up a ton of points against this Broncos defense. So strictly based on the fact that I think that this game is going to be a much lower scoring game than the Jaguars and Giants. Um, I'm just going to roll with the, the defense and the lower scoring game on this one. So I'll take the Broncos as well. Absolutely. Love that logic there. And so that brings us to our very last segment of the week where we will, well, we normally would spin the wheel here, but since Eric is not here to do it live with us, uh, we had to take a moment to spin the wheel before he hopped off. So we have three picks and before we get into our picks for this week, Let's just celebrate the fact that we have now hit the wheel twice, ladies and gentlemen. We have two correct parlays after our week six parlay of plus 1530 or 1563 odds hit last week. So we are just rolling in the units so far this season. Are we the best to ever do it? Like, are we are we actually just the best? I mean, we're certainly in line for like most improved parlay picker, <laughs> uh, if that were an award, because... Last year through, I, I want to say it was more than just the 17 weeks. I want to say that we had a couple of um, yeah, I think we had a few wheel parlays in the playoffs. I think we only ever got two right all of last year. And so far through six weeks, although we've only had five parlays because one week we weren't able to get one all together. So out of five, we have already hit two and we've hit some two pretty big ones. So... We are definitely way better at this than we were last year. So uh, let's see if that rolls into week seven as well. I spun first and landed on Chiefs at 49ers. And sort of keeping in where I was in the uh, the breakdown of this game when we were talking about the, the picks, I think the 49ers win this. And so I'm going to go a little bit back to the well of what I did last week where I had the Seahawks winning a game against the Cardinals, and I went to an alternate spread that reflected that, and it ended up paying off. So I have the 49ers winning this game, and so I'm going to go to an alternate spread of one and a half points, which brings me in at plus 111 odds, so a nice little plus odds to start us out. Yeah, I really like that pick, John. I mean, uh, although I am on the Chiefs to win this game, I did say that I think it's going to be a close game, and I just don't think it's worth taking the one point that you're currently getting with the 49ers. So seeing as how I, I'm viewing this game as a pick and I think either team could win, the chances are that if the 49ers win this game, it's going to be by more than a point and a half. So why not take the plus odds? And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're on the 49ers, so might as well roll with them and, and say that they're going to win by more than a point and a half. So I like it. Eric was up next for us on the wheel, and he ended up spinning the Colts at Titans, which – uh, I was a little nervous for, as you know, because me and Eric are squarely on opposite sides when we look at both of these teams. But he actually went with a pick that I'm really, really a big fan of because he has both teams to score 
20 plus points at plus 205, which not only are uh, very heavily plus odds, but uh, I think that it's a, a good option when you're looking at this game. I think this game's going to have a significant amount of points in it. Uh, I don't think that a lot of the points are going to be front loaded. I think it's going to be a lot of fireworks toward the end of the game. But uh, I am a fan of this pick, John. What do you, what are you what are you seeing from this pick? No, I, I think it's smart because the Colts played a high scoring affair against the Jaguars last week. The Colts are still without Shaq Leonard, who is their best linebacker, and so you figure that there may be some room to work for Derrick Henry. And we know that if Derrick Henry gets going. The rest of the Titans' offense tends to follow with that, tends to sort of build off of his success. And so I definitely think this could be a, you know, at the very least, like a 24-20 affair, something in that area, um, but where we're, we're, we're getting over 20 points um, from both teams. Yeah, I think, again, I don't think that it's necessarily the most likely in the world that both these teams put up 20 points, but at that price of plus 205, I think it's well worth it that he's getting there, so... Uh, sounds like we're both pretty happy with Eric's pick, and I was last on the wheel this week, so I ended up with the Texans at Raiders game, and that left me with either a total or a player prop, and I actually had one for each that I was pretty happy with. So why not roll with the player prop that I'm getting at plus 400 odds to make this wheel pick that much more spicy, since we are playing with house money at this point, uh, being up 26.8% on the year and uh, I think that actually affirms us uh, as far as being plus money on the year for the full season no matter what happens for this year so we might as well shoot for the stars at this point Uh, I actually like Josh Jacobs to score two plus TDs in this game Uh, despite being on the Texans to cover I think that the Raiders can comfortably win this game by just running the ball and they've already unlocked Josh Jacobs as Eric said earlier in the show uh, I think Josh Jacobs is going to get multiple goal line opportunities. Whether or not he scores is going to be a big factor um, because if he doesn't, they might just turn to Devontae Adams. So uh, I do have Josh Jacobs at a as a two-plus TD scorer in this game at plus 400, and that brings our wheel parlay total up to plus 31.17 odds. So if we hit on this one, we might as well just all retire. If we hit on this one, I may have to because they did just um... – I think they just approved like mobile sports betting in Maryland. And so if they hit on this one, I may have to talk to my wife to be like, look, can, can I, can I start like betting these parlays for real? We're the best that's because ever we're just good at this. Yeah. We're just, we're just great. Um, but it, it, we'll have to see because this is definitely going out there in very deep waters and trying to hit a plus, uh, you know, above 3,100, but I like it. I, I will say I almost took um, one of the one of the other props that sort of caught my mind was DraftKings had a prop where it was who has more receiving yards, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, and I was like George Kittle was at like plus two hundred odds in that one, and I was like you know. Since I think the 49ers are going to win, I may want to roll with that one, but I thought the pick I went with was actually a lot safer. Yeah, I'm not as confident there with the uh, George Kittle versus Travis Kelsey just because I think Travis Kelsey very easily could be all of the Chiefs offense in this game. So (laughs) 
I'm not huge on that. Yeah, one, but... I, yeah. Well, see, th- this is my thinking: is that we've seen game scripts from the Chiefs where they're you know running the ball in between the twenties, they're throwing to other guys like Juju in between the twenties, and then when they get in the red zone, they're like Travis Kelsey, go you know dunk on people basically. And while that's great for fantasy, it doesn't necessarily, you know, go for a lot of yards, right? When he had that four touchdown game, I think he had less than 30 yards. Yeah, I can't, and I so, can't talk about that because that, that performance of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes on Monday night single-handedly ruined me in, in like, so many fantasy leagues. So that's, that's still a fresh wind. So, yeah, I, I won't make you uh, relive that, you know, bring up the PTSD, anything like that. But, my, my again, my thought was, like, okay – George Kittle, they love to sort of get him in space, get him yards after the catch. Maybe this could happen. But again, I ended up siding with something a little safer. Big fan. Big fan of the alternate spread pick. We'll see how we do on the wheel this week. But uh, I think that's all we got. So, John, I'll I'll send it to you to close us out. Yeah, and that is our week seven show. So, um, for all those listening out there, thank you. Please please be sure to give us a follow on social media, at Pod, Twitter, Instagram. As we look to sort of build those followings there as well as build our listener base. And uh, until next week, I hope you guys enjoy the football and we will see you in week eight. Cheers.